The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now... Here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome into the Business Locker Radio Show presented by the Business Locker. Great to have you on board. And as we have been doing now for a couple of months, we are also live on Blab. I want to encourage you to find us on Blab. You can actually get involved in the show. You can see the participants, see the players, see who's involved. You can even get a look at Miles Austin, my good buddy, who will join me later in the show. We're going to do the X's Nose segment, and this week we've got something great lined up for you. We're going to talk about uh, automation. Well, actually, we're going to talk about uh, that with Dave Brock as well, who is our guest today. By the way, this is show number 80. 80 shows we have now done on Biz Locker Radio, brought to you by the Business Locker Room, also by our friends at Rehearsal. And I want to tell you more about Rehearsal as we go along, but you can find them at Rehearsal.com. You're listening to the show that operates at the intersection of sports and business. It's a business radio show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to impact your business performance today. Great to have you on board, whether you're listening live, watching live, or listening to the broadcast uh, on a podcast from iTunes later on. Great to have you. Hey, if you're looking to improve your business performance, whether you own a business, sell a product, manage a team, lead a company, this is the right show. It's the right show for you. We've got experts in sales, uh, marketing, social media, leadership, business strategy, you name it, much, much more like my buddy on the West Coast, Dave Brock, who's going to join us in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about the uh, the death of selling. Evidently, we don't need salespeople anymore. We're going to talk about it a little bit. But this is Biz Locker Radio. You can find us at bizlockerradio.com, and I'm your host. I'm Kelly Riggs. You can follow me online at Kelly Riggs. You can find me at our corporate site, bizlockerroom.com or bizlockerradio.com. Either way, and by the way, you want to do like I do. You do want to find the show on iTunes and subscribe to it and download because you get so much great content here. And 79 shows prior to this one, I can tell you, enormous amounts of content. We've been doing it long enough that rarely a week goes by and I don't get a couple of calls, people saying, hey, I just listened to your show with fill in the blank, and it was fantastic, but I had to listen to it two or three times. And I took your advice. I got it on iTunes. I subscribed to it, and I listened to it on my daily commute. It is a great, great way to do that. Special thanks to our title sponsors, the guys at Rehearsal. I'll tell you a lot more about them as we go along. But today, I'm excited to have joining me somebody who's been on the show before. His name is um, Dave Brock, and Dave is a part of Partners in Excellence. He writes an incredibly fantastic blog. We're going to talk about 
one or two of his blog posts today. Make sure you find him. I'll get more information about that as we go. The Partners in Excellence blog. You can follow Dave Brock at David A. Brock. But David is recognized as a top thought leader and consultant in sales, sales management, and leadership. He's one of the founders of Partners in Excellence. And this is a company that's uh, very, very well known. He speaks frequently on a wide range of business, sales, leadership, and related topics. He's addressed audiences all over the world. Forty different countries is what I'm led to believe. Might have to ask him about that. David, it's great to have you on board, man. How are you? Great, great. I really appreciate it. I guess, am I your Christmas gift or your... Uh you're calling the stocking. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I tell you what, I save all the surprises for the X's and O's segment that I do with Miles okay. Austin. Yeah, you want to stick around for that, by the way. It's always entertaining. By the way, I have it on uh, I have it on good information that I've got to actually talk about the Seahawks again. When the Seahawks were struggling, Dave, early in the year, I gave him grief about it. Now he's warned me that I better bring it up today now that they're uh, back on the rise. So it'll be, it'll be fun stuff. Hey, let, let's talk about something that you and I have a little bit of passion around, and that is yep. the alleged death of selling. There's a report that was out recently uh, that talked about, it used a bunch of data, and the data's flawed, and you're going to help us understand that, but it talked about the fact that there are going to be a million sales jobs, business-to-business -business sales jobs lost in the next five years. I called baloney on that from the jump without even looking at the report itself. You've taken the report apart, but let, let's start with a premise. Why would somebody think that there'll be a million business-to-business -business sales jobs go away in the next five years? Well, I think it's simply inaccurate. I mean, if you look at the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, uh, which are kind of the grandfather for a lot of employment statistics, at least in, in the U.S., uh, those show an increase in sales jobs not quite across the board, but through 2020, and particularly in business-to-business -business kind of sectors, they do show declines in certain areas, in certain kind of service, retail service areas, and, and so on and so forth, as you look at companies like Amazon and, and new buying alternatives come up. But, uh, you know, I think, I think you see this article about the death of sales coming up Every year, every two years, it, it draws headlines, it draws a lot of excitement and controversy, but I don't think uh, data-wise there's a whole lot of substance behind it. Well, it's really interesting. I mean, the, the thing about it is the premise is social media, digital online tools have automated everything, and therefore uh, we, we don't need salespeople for a couple of reasons. One, we can automate our, our in, in interaction with them, but at the same time, Dave, it's uh, they're getting involved in the buying cycle a lot, lot further along. They've got a lot more information. Mm -hmm. They have a lot more uh, data to deal with before they actually go find a salesperson. And therefore, we don't even actually need business-to-business -business salespeople anymore. All we need is order takers. And I, I just see so many flaws with that. But let's let's start with your response. Well, well, I, I think you know. Let's get get back to some fundamentals. Is is our profession is changing constantly. You know, and if we don't change with changing buyers, changing market conditions, changing, uh, changing technology, changing competition, you know, we will become dinosaurs and we will become extinct. But I don't know any profession that isn't like that. I mean, if you look at, 
engineers over the last 20 years. I, I spend a lot of time with engineers and manufacturing guys. Their professions have changed tremendously. Manufacturing guys have changed tremendously, but those professions continue to build and continue to drive demand just like sales. You know, so if we, you know, what I do agree with all those, those, uh, those death of sales rumors is death of sales if you don't change, if you don't stay current, if you don't right. stay competitive, if you aren't learning, you will die. You will become a dinosaur. You know, you might as well just lay down now. Yeah, but no staying current and leveraging all the new technology, the future is hugely bright because customers need the value that we bring. Yeah, there's no question about that. Hey, if you're just joining us uh, live on the radio or on Blab, David Brock is my guest. You can find him on Twitter at David A. Brock writes a phenomenally good blog that you need to go find, Partners in Excellence blog. You'll find that online if you Google it. You know, the, the thing about it is, is I, what I hear you saying is what I 100% agree with is the tools have changed. I've been in the selling world since uh, early 80s. Tools change. The process doesn't. People still need help no matter how much. In fact, in fact my premise is with so much more information, Dave, it's, it's an overload. People need subject matter experts that much more in order to make valid business decisions? Well, I think there are a couple of key areas where, where the business-to-business -business salesperson will start really focusing their time and their investment. We don't need to educate customers about products anymore. They can get that information from our websites and from some other right. kinds of things. So that, so that old role of a salesperson has changed. There, there's this issue. I've spent a lot of time selling to telecom customers and, and in that business. And in telecom, there's something called the last mile problem. You know, the last mile problem is that connection into the house and connection into the office. Whoever owns that last mile basically owns the customer. You know, so if you look at it is customers are doing a lot of research on the web. They're doing, uh, you know, a lot of research to try and understand potential solutions. But who's there translating that last mile to them? What does this solution mean to me? You know, how do we make it work in our environment? Our business is different from everybody else's. So mm -hmm. how do I translate these general things that I learned through the web to my specific situation? And that's one of the areas that B2B salespeople, I think, will always, always fit. You know, we have some things like AI and, and, and things like that that will sure. get closer and closer. But until you really understand what the customer, who the customer is, what their fears are, what they're trying to achieve, um, you know, they can't figure out how to best uh, implement these solutions for themselves. So that's one area I think B2B salespeople thrive. The other area, you alluded to it a moment ago, there's a lot of data, CEB says uh, customers do a lot, as much as 57% of their research before contacting a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Other studies have that up to 70%. The study you referenced even had that up to 90%. Right. But what, what they miss is who's out there giving customers ideas to start looking at changing anyway. And that's, I think, the other new role of salespeople is we can't wait and our customers can't afford to wait until they figure out they have a problem and need to change. We need to be in there saying, you're missing opportunities. There are better ways of running your business. We need to be giving them the ideas that drive that change initiative.
Yeah, absolutely. You know, you make a fabulous point. If if we're not innovating anymore, and if everything is static, and every product right. stays exactly the same, then maybe there's something to the death of the salesperson. But assuming that every competitor is trying to take your business away from me by innovating new ideas and new opportunities and new gaps in provision of services and products and so forth, then they need to they need to interrupt that process. And I don't think you can rely on social media to do that. Is it a tool? Absolutely. I mean, I think you and I are both on the same page. We love the tool. The tool's phenomenal. I just don't think it's going to replace salespeople. And, and that's a really good reason why. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, I think the, the discussion on death, death of a salesperson should be a separate discussion from social media. People are, are tangling those things together. They're saying uh, the, the, the Forrester study, I'll, I'll cite it, the Forrester study was very, very careful and very pointed in the research that they were looking at. And they were looking at a lot of e-commerce transactions. They were looking at some very specific things, but then kind of in their their narrative around it, generalizing it to all salespeople. You know, these these e-commerce platforms provide, provide a huge capability in terms of procurement, in terms of uh, uh, managing the actual acquisition of a product. But that's right. separate from uh, the process to figure out what products we need, how to implement, how we get real value out of them, and so on, which is where salespeople uh, play. A lot of the social media tools, you know, I can imagine, you know, you and I are almost old enough to go back to the days of saying, should salespeople be using telephones? <laughs> you know, mobile phones for, for sure. Yeah. Right? Oh, no, we would never use mobile phones. You have to be in an office at a wired phone or carry a, a pocket full of quarters with you. And, you know, we would be at the leading edge of saying, you know, that's all salespeople need to do is a pocket full of quarters, knowing where every payphone is, and use that. All the old methods of selling are, are gone. Well, you know, we still use telephones. I don't use payphones very much anymore. But, uh, uh, you know, so these are new tools that help us be become, I think, more impactful, extend our reach. Uh, and extend how we can engage our customers. Hey, thanks for joining us. BizLocker Radio, you can find us at bizlockerradio.com. Again, I'm Kelly Riggs, your host. We do it every Monday, 3 o'clock p.m. Central Time, 1 o'clock on the Pacific Coast, where Dave is and my buddy Miles Austin. He'll join us in a bit. We'll do the X's and O's segment. Excited to do that. Well, you know, as, as we talk about this, one of the things that I, I do agree with, but this is a trend Dave, that I think is, has been continuing now for, for three decades, and that is the average sales guy who's a product pusher or a feature dumper, that guy's never really had a role and never been that successful yep. anyway, and if there's any anybody that's going to go away quicker than he has or she has in the past, it's going to be that guy because somebody who just simply puts the information out there and says, can I get you one, huh, how many do you want, that, there really is not a role for them, but I don't call them a salesperson. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I call them a salesperson either. Uh, you know, I'm writing, in fact, writing a post right at this moment about, you know, can you change your customer? And, you know, really when, when we talk about sales, we're talking about helping the customer change. Um, you know, this the product guy, as I said earlier, 
customers have better sources of information, more timely in the manner that they want to consume it than a salesperson. They can go to any number of web resources and so on. So if the only value I offer as a salesperson is to come and talk about my product and the feeds and speeds, features and functions and how wonderful it is, then I'm not creating any value for the customer. Correct. Yeah, absolutely right. And, and, I, and I think that in this day and age, with all the information I can gather, if I get three really great looking products, Dave, and, and I can look at all their features and their prices, if their features aren't identical and their prices aren't the same, and I don't know exactly how each one applies to my particular circumstance, if I ever needed a salesperson, a subject matter expert, that yeah. would be exactly the time, right? Yep, it's right then. You know, in uh, in uh, the CEB's recent the the challenger customer, they have a, a premise. I don't agree with everything CEB says, but they have a premise which I absolutely buy into. You know, we have to have great products, we have to have great companies, but those really become table stakes. You know, we get invited to the party because we have great products, but we're going to be one in three. Sure. So how do we differentiate ourselves and in, in how do we get the customer to select us? And it's really how we're helping the customer understand their problem, how we're helping them buy, and how we're really creating value through that whole process. And the, process, the value we create is about them and their problem and not about our products. Because, again, the, as one in three, the customer could be equally successful with any one of the three choices they make. That's right. They could essentially put all three in a hat and pull one out and probably do well with any of the three. So it's, it's really interesting. You've alluded to the Forrester study a couple, three times now. Mm -hmm. tell, tell the audience about that study and one of the challenges that you see with it. Well, the Foresters, and first of all, uh, the guys at Forrester are great friends of mine. I think they do really good work. I think on this, this is something where you have to read, read the study very carefully and pay attention to words. So there's a lot of what they talk about, about the move to electronic transaction processing. You know, and I kind of say, well, gee, that's not really new news, and that doesn't obviate the need for a salesperson. As an example, our company, we've been around since 1991. We have never gotten an order or processed an order manually. All our, everything we do is electronic. Right. You know, that doesn't say there isn't a whole hell of a lot of selling that we do to get to that point. The other thing that, that they do, which I, I agree is very valid, is, is they express that customers have a preference not to deal with salespeople, or they have preferences to be engaged in certain ways. And, you know, I get that, you know. And likewise, I have a preference not to pay my taxes. <laughs> but just because I have a preference not to pay my taxes, that's not any indicator of what my actual behavior is. So right. uh, th they parse their words very carefully and they talk about the <coughs> preferences that customers have, but those don't necessarily relate to the behaviors and actions that customers really display. So I think it's you have to be very careful about how the words are parsed in that study and, and, and read it critically. There's a lot of good information in there, sure. but it's not really information about death of salespeople. It's information about um, you know, some trends in e-commerce, some trends in increasingly applying technology to the buying process. 
but I saw nothing in there that said salespeople are going to die and go away. Yeah, that's that's an interesting interpretation of the study. Hey, about a minute before we take our first time out, yep. let me ask you quickly, what, what about the individual that says, now let me get this right, you're a couple of 50-something old guys uh, who've come along uh, and you've been in sales as long as you know dinosaurs have been around. You just don't get the whole techno revolution. You don't get the social media digital thing. And uh, we're really making things happen without ever leaving the office using all of these tools. How do you respond to something like that? I, I think, geez, you know, I, I, you know, I'd compare their social profiles to your pro profile, to Miles's profile, to my profile. You know, we're people that recognize these as tremendously powerful tools. You're out blogging. You're doing Blab. You're doing these, these podcasts. Miles right. is out there very actively, and I'm out there very actively. So we're leveraging these tools to the hilt. Um, you know, selling has changed. How I engage my customers changed. I don't drop, jump on an airplane very much anymore to go visit a customer to close a deal. I do a huge amount through email, through uh, video calls, through through conference calls, and things like that. So you know, we're all leveraging these tools in very, very powerful ways. So I just don't buy somebody who says, you know, you're, t you know, you have gray hair, or in your case. None. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I tried to be delicate, but I can't. Well, I, I hope you enjoy your last uh, visit here on the business locker. Okay, okay. <laughs> but no, I hey. just don't buy those arguments. Uh, you're listening to the Business Locker Room. Biz Locker Radio, you can find us at bizlockerradio.com. Thanks for joining us on Blab and on Voice America if you're live. And, of course, if you're listening to us on iTunes on the podcast later, we're going to take our first time out. We'll come back on the other side and we'll revisit some of the other things that Dave has been blogging about recently. You're going to want to stick around. They have to do with social media as well. This is BizLocker Radio on Voice America. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One -on -one Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step -step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. It's brought to you by Rehearsal at Rehearsal.com and also the Business Locker Room, our company as well. Great to have you on board. This is show number 80, and it's called The Death of Selling. 
features my uh, buddy from the left coast uh, where, where Miles lives as well. He's Dave Brock. He's with Partners in Excellence. And we've been talking about the, uh, the presumed death of selling. And by the way, that comes because there's been a lot of things that have been written out on social media. Seems like there's, uh, Dave, always somebody that wants to make their mark by saying, hey, we can tell you million sales jobs and business-to-business sales are going to go away, so your company needs to get ready. You know what I have to say to those people is, I want to compete with you because if you don't have any salespeople on the street, it uh, might make it easier for my guys. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's just kind of on, on the same topic. I recently got in, involved in a social media debate with a about somebody that says, well, companies are eliminating salespeople and they have they cited uh, several companies where, you know, the publicity says we have no salespeople. Unfortunately, two of the companies they cited are clients of mine. And I said, well, <laughs> have you ever go into LinkedIn, look at the, the people in those companies, you know, query on sales and you will find some of the toughest, meanest, most aggressive salespeople I've ever seen. They just don't happen to carry titles called salespeople. But the companies recognize the function of connecting with customers, creating value for them. And, and really driving change is critical to their success in growing their businesses. Yeah, absolutely right. I can remember writing a blog post several years ago now that said, you know, salespeople don't even want to be called salespeople anymore. And yeah. I don't think there's any question the selling profession's had an identity crisis as long as I've been around. But, you know, I want to be an account manager or a business development specialist or something like that. And if that's what you're talking about, those people going away because we don't call them that anymore. That's a big difference than saying that those salespeople aren't relevant or needed. They, they really are needed. As we've talked about, the proliferation of information and the need for people to help you know, in terms of becoming uh, subject matter experts is a big deal. You, you wrote uh, just a couple of weeks ago a couple of excellent posts. I'm going to focus on this one. It's called Stop Wasting Money on Marketing Automation, Personas, and content marketing, and I got to tell you, when I saw the title, I went, "Wow, Dave, Dave's fallen off. He's old guy. He's he's lost perspective. He doesn't believe in social media anymore." That's not at all what you meant. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that blog post. No, and it's I had a lot of the tool, a lot of the the tool vendors uh, are, um, you know, and a lot of the guys, for instance, that Miles deals with every day. You know, a lot of them are, are some of my best friends. We do a lot of work together, and so on and so forth. And a lot of them said. Jesus, Dave, you've already, you know, you've betrayed us. You know what's <laughs> happened, you know, and and really what it is is it's it's you know I'll call it user error. We have these tools that allow us to to have tremendous capability in the way we engage and the way we impact customers as well as improve our own efficiency, but we misuse them so terribly. In that post, I cited some pieces of data. 42% of emails sent today are sent with zero targeting. 37% are sent with very minimal targeting. So you're thinking about that and you have 79% of emails sent today with no or very limited targeting. But you look at even the most simple email management system, if you look at any of the marketing automation systems, they provide rich capability to say, 
you know, here's the profile of our customers. You know, here's the profile of each person. Here's what they're interested in. Here's how we should be engaging them. Here's their history of working with us. So we ought to be able to target our messages, maybe not down to the individual, but we ought to be able to segment and have more highly relevant communications and messages that are much more impactful. And for us to be, you know, using tools with, you know, 79% of no or limited targeting, and all, then we're just wasting our money on those tools. We might as well not be spending the money at all. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, to me, it's interesting. Everybody keeps using the term social selling, Dave. I think that's such an awkward misnomer. I, I don't see social and digital tools as sales tools at all except in in the content marketing and curation and distribution side because the way we used to do that is with case studies and white papers and we deliver those hard copies in person mm -hmm. but so much of what is called social selling to me isn't selling at all it's marketing it's awareness and brand identity and all of those kinds of things you agree with that uh, I, I believe I believe the social channels allow us to engage at a much more broad level than we ever have before. You know, so now smaller companies like yours and mine can engage a global audience in a very, very impactful way. Whereas, you know, before it was very difficult for us to reach audiences, you know, perhaps outside our region, but, you know, nationally, globally, and so on and so forth. So the tools allow us to extend our reach, extend our impact. I think the tools also allow us to engage a little bit differently. So while I, you know, so just as I might use an email or a hard copy, you know, remember these things called snail mails? They were things that you have to use to go out and go to the mailbox and pull something out and open a letter up. And I'll, we still use those. So, so they provide me a different, social tools provide me a different way of engaging customers. Do I expect a PO to come in over Twitter? Probably not. I'd probably be shocked. <laughs> it, it, it would probably be bounced or something or somebody else will click somebody else will click on the link and fulfill the contract before I do. But, but sure, sure uh, exactly. No, it, it really is a way to engage uh, customers. And what's interesting is I find myself engaging customers across multiple channels. I may start in Twitter, and then it might move to LinkedIn, and then it might move to some email types of stuff. And it bounces around. If I look at you know several of the calls I've had today started started in one channel, went to another channel, went to a, a, a third channel, and ended up in a, a telephone call today, not in a funneling process, but it happened to be the most convenient way for us to engage. So I think, you know, being able to reach out and engage on whatever channel, being nimble to, to move those conversations from channel to channel is really the real magic of maximizing our impact with customers. You bet. My guest is David Brock. You can find him online on Twitter, David A. Brock. Also find his excellent blog at Partners in Excellence, the Partners in Excellence blog. You mentioned snail mail, and I want to ask you about that. I got to tell you, anecdotally, you know, I'm a data set of one, but I, I have not seen a decrease in the amount of snail mail marketing and catalogs and brochures and things that I get both at home in the office in the last 10 years at all. And one would suspect that perhaps those things would, would die off. Maybe certain companies, Dave, but, but my, the, the volume in my mailbox has not changed. What do you think that is? I mean, are, did some people not get the social selling memo or is there a sense that there's a void there that maybe that we can take advantage of? 
I think I think multiple channels. I, I think smart people are realizing multiple channels simultaneously are 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 very very critical. Um, uh, SAP. We do a lot of work with SAP and SAP and others have used this concept called omni-channel. Is nobody is going to be restricted to one channel. You know, there. The, I'm I'm not going to engage you, Kelly, strictly over Twitter, and that's where we're going to to talk right. all the time. We're going to talk on the phone, via uh, Skype, by emails, and so on and so forth. So the ability to to capture people across those channels and move those conversations is really critical. So I think snail mail is a tool that that is sometimes very, very powerful. I have a, a, a client who was very famous for their catalog. And it used to be in, in the old days when I sold computers, I'd walk into every IT person's shop and you'd see sitting on their credenza there that catalog. Years ago, they tried stopping the catalog because they said everything's gone electronic, we have everything at the website, blah, blah, blah. Well, they got such pushback from all their customers, this is a tool we still need. Wow. You know, so, so, so you know, they're now publishing the catalog again. They get great results through the catalog. They get great results through a variety of other channels. So we have to recognize we live in an omni-channel world. We have to invest in multiple channels simultaneously. We'll switch our investments, the weight of our investments, you know, around based on the dynamics of our marketplace and the dynamics of the technology. So none of it will stay the same. But I still see tremendous life in in all these channels. And as salespeople, we'd be fools not to exploit every single channel of engaging the customer that we can. Absolutely right. Hey, thanks for joining us here on BizLocker Radio. I want to remind you, by the way, if you're joining us for the first time, we do it on Blab now every week. We do it in live video as well as live on Voice America and you can always join us. Mondays at 3 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 o'clock on the East Coast. Always love to have you. Next week, Donald Hatter will join me, and I'm really excited to talk to him. He's a guy from Texas, and he's written a book recently about the 10 things that great salespeople don't do. I can't wait to get into that. He's joining us on Blab today, by the way. And also, uh, on the 28th, we'll wrap up the year. Show number 82, Josh Miles will join us. He's written 12 articles through the year for the Business Locker Room that you can find on the Biz Locker Room blog, bizlockerroom.com. And you want to, if you're in marketing and or sales, you want to go back and read those. He's going to be on with me on the 28th, Monday, and uh, we'll talk about that at length. Hey, I wanted to, I wanted to read a piece of uh, the blog post that you wrote. You said this, every day I receive somewhere between 150, 200 emails, and you say valid emails, not the hundreds that go into your junk mail folder. Jeez, you... You get a ridiculous amount of junk mail. I mean, I mean, emails, valid emails. That's a lot. About fifty percent, you say, are client colleague communications emails about something that you have an interest in, or their direct work-related messages. Things important to what you're working on. About fifty percent of them are prospecting or other marketing communication emails. That means you're getting seventy-five to hundred emails like that a day. Translated, that means people's and people and companies are trying to reach out and touch me that many times. And uh, it's kind of overwhelming. When you take time to skim the titles and read them, the majority, 95%, are meaningless. You know, and, and this is what you're getting at is that you can't have all these tools and not really use them effectively. But, Dave, it's hard enough to sell. I mean, going through all the time and the, the, the machinations of putting 
targeting on these emails. I know the, the numbers are staggering, but who has time to do all of that to figure out what each and every one of these niches are and to write content for each specific niche and target it specifically to those people? And yet I know you have to know people that are doing that and doing that well. Can you give us some examples of people who do well, that? Well, I, I, think, I think there are a, a couple of things. First is, you know, one of the great power behind all these tools, particularly these marketing automation tools and a whole bunch, some of the analytic tools and so on and so forth, is they do that work for us. They, do this, they can help us do the segmentation. They can help us, you know, kind of align customers with messages and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to invest the money in the tools, we ought to use the tools. Right. You know, just not use them for expensive email systems. So one is is the tools have the capability to use the tools. Two is, you know, is is we have this quantity over quality kind of thing in terms of messaging. It's easier for me to send out a million emails and maybe get a point oh 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 one percent response right. rather than send out a hundred emails and get a fifty, sixty percent response. But, you know, when you look at the raw numbers, sending out 100 emails and getting a 50-60% response is probably better than the million emails at some fraction of a percent. So, yeah. you know, I really, I really look at it's, it's an outcome kind of thing. What maximize, we don't want to maximize the input. We don't want to maximize the, the number of emails we send out. We want to maximize the responses, the appropriate responses we get. And, you know, all the research so shows it's around tailoring messages to be relevant to the person that you're sending it to. So, so combined with the capability of the tools, combined with just being smart and saying this is a numbers game, but it's a smart numbers game, and it's not about the biggest numbers. It's about creating the right outputs and the right outcomes. Then we can, they, you know, it's a hugely good use of your time. Absolutely. Hey, just a couple of min minutes left before we go to our next time out. But I want to ask you, if, if I read one more post or article about the death of cold calling, now we've been talking about the death of selling, but allegedly <laughs> the cold call's dead, it doesn't work, nobody does it. You know, if I read one more of those, I'm going to throw something, and here's why. Why is it that your e email inbox and my email inbox are chock full of nothing more than cold call social media solicitations? It's not that cold calling is dead, Dave. I, th I think it's flourishing. It's just moved to a new channel, and it's, it's about to drive me crazy. So are people saying cold call is dead, or is it just the in-person cold call is dead? Because I can assure you people are still cold calling. Well, people are still cold calling. They're still doing it as ineffectively as they have before. They may have yeah. switched the way they're doing it. You know, I, I didn't, in that post, write how many phone calls I ignore every single day. But, uh, but you know, they're switching from maybe one mo mode to another mode, again, trying to drive the numbers up and, again, trying to be, be useless. You know, I think the thing of, of you look at effective cold calling and, you know, people use the term cold calling because, you know, cold calling is dead because it creates great headlines and it creates right. a lot of readers and stuff. But, you know, I do, a, I do a huge amount of cold calling, both through email form, other form, forms, or through picking up the phone. But every one of our calls is researched or segmented in some way. We aren't sending, you know, the same thing out to 
a million people. We're sending, you know, targeted communications that are based on some research, some knowledge, or some uh, informed guesses we have about the interest of the audience to make sure we're trying to maximize our hit rate in terms of relevance, timeliness, and, and, and impact. So cold calling is very much alive. Whatever channel you take, effective cold calling means a prepared, well-researched one. Ineffective cold calling is this, you know, non-targeted, non-specific, you know, hi, I want to call and I want uh, to pitch you my product and so on and so forth. All of that is dead and people who do those things should die as well. Hey, before I let you go, uh, you mentioned engineering firms and calling on or working with engineering firms. Mm -hmm. I do the same, both architects, engineers, construction companies, professional services firms, a bunch of them. It's my sense that there are several industries, some of those being among them, that are way behind the curve on the social media, social marketing, social selling, social channel side. Would you yeah, agree yeah. with that? And, and if you do agree with it, what, what kind of impact is that going to have on their industry? I, I, I think... I think there are different ad adoption curves. I think we've found, you know, social channels uh, are used very heavily leveraged and used by technology companies. You know, particularly you, you find a lot of the sales and marketing automation companies leveraging them because that's what they're selling and th that's, you know, how they're trying to engage customers. You see other technology companies. I think other companies, other industries have different adoption curves. It's interesting. I, I, I have a lot of what you call some old Rust Belt type of companies, old right. style companies, um, you know, that, you know, are moving into it. They, their adoption isn't as strong as, as say, our adoption might be, right. but they're starting to see this is a new tool to engage their customers. So I, I see the adoption rate picking up in, in virtually every chase, every channel. And then, you know, what's different? I mean, we saw the same yeah, thing right. uh, with email. We saw the th same, or, you know, you probably saw it. I'm not old enough to remember that with the telephone, but, uh, <laughs> or Miles, I think, probably remembers Man, that you just, telephone. you really do not want to come back on the show. You're you know, like, it's. Don't it's, ever fight me. <laughs> okay. Well, no, hey, I really meant to refer to Miles on that. Oh, well, that's okay. You can pick on Miles all you want. Hey, my <laughs> guest is Dave Brock, and he is uh, he is a very very smart guy. You're going to want to make sure you find him. Partners in Excellence blog, partnersinexcellence.com. Follow him on Twitter at David A Brock. And by the way, uh, Jim Keenan says hello. I was talking to him about his brand new book today. Told him you were going to be on. He asked me to say hello. He's going to be on early next year to talk about his new book. But, Dave, it's been fantastic. Thanks for joining us. I know you're a busy guy. Really appreciate your insight and your perspectives. Thanks for being here. I appreciate the invitation. I always enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much. Uh, good stuff. Well, we're going to wrap up this segment of Biz Locker Radio. Again, it's brought to you by the Business Locker Room and our good friends over at Rehearsal. I'll tell you more about them when we come back. Uh, Rehearsal.com. You can find them during the break. My friend Miles Austin will join us when we come back for paying a few bills. And uh, we're going to talk about some online digital tools that actually will improve your productivity. Going to do a lot to help you. And that's called the X's and O's segment. We're going to do it right after this timeout. I'm Kelly Riggs. This is BizLocker Radio. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. 
Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a sales strategist and leadership coach. Now in his ninth year as founder and president of the Business Locker Room, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon or at bizlockerroom.com. For more information on hiring this two-time National Salesperson of the Year to speak at your next event or to train your leadership team, visit bizlockerroom.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back to Biz Locker Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Kelly Riggs, and you can find me online on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. And, of course, uh, the radio show itself and all the information about guests and past shows and all of those things, bizlockerradio.com. And it is brought to you by Rehearsal. Love, love, love the guys at Rehearsal. If you want to know more about them, interviewed Jeff Curlis last week on episode number 79 of Biz Locker Radio. Rehearsal is a fantastic tool, absolutely a platform that you can use in your business for role play, for practice, for communication practice, for best practices on training, all kinds of things. It creates a safe place to practice communication with your customers and your colleagues. In the old days, they made us do role play in sales. Now too many people, that hurts their feelings, and they don't like to do that kind of thing. But man, Rehearsal.com is a very cost-effective, affordable tool that you can use for your team to create the platform to practice sales training, selling skills, communicating with customers in difficult situations, overcoming objectives. What are are objections, rather, anything that you can think of, it is an incredible tool. You can practice, you can use gamification, create leaderboards best practices, award the guys who do it better than anybody else. Really want to encourage you. I really appreciate their their uh, sponsorship here on BizLocker Radio. But, man, what a great tool, and I'm using it in my practice as well. Find them at Rehearsal.com. Well, we turn my attention to my good buddy in Seattle. <laughs> Miles Austin joins me for the X's and O's segment. And before we talk about what we're going to talk about, okay, all right. Tell me about the Seahawks. Man, i got to tell you, they have been really impressive the last couple of weeks. Russell Wilson, five touchdowns the last two games, 16 touchdown passes in the last four. Our number one Pro Bowl running back goes down a few weeks ago. The replacement, who's an undrafted rookie, was playing at, at Pro Bowl level, had 800 yards in about five games, just broke his ankle. So the good news is, Seahawks fans, they gave me a call and said, Miles, we don't need you. <laughs> I didn't know he broke his ankle, man. That's not good news. You know, a lot of people I'm talking to uh, stay pretty connected on the sports side. They're, they're, they're starting to say, man, we've got to be worried about the Seahawks because they have come alive. You know, they just they looked anemic early in the year. You know, what's funny is if you look back on the records, the same thing happened last year. Not quite as bad, not quite as bad the year before, but... Um, you know, one of the things, if you go back and look at Coach Carroll's um, history, his record, December is like a 90-plus percent winning rate 
all the way through his coaching career in with Seattle and back to USC. He peaks his team at the right time every year. And I've, I've heard the same thing, man. I, you know, it's something about momentum. It's a wonderful thing. So, yeah, uh, is, you know, we're excited to watch it. And hey, by let's, the talk way, X, let's talk X's and, o, X's and O's. You've got some tools that are out there a lot of people know about, but there's varieties of these tools. And it's things that we can use to automate content and to create news feeds and to, and to you know, provide that content to other people. We're talking about things like Feedly and Deliver It and Buffer and those kinds of things. A uh, broad-based outline of those tools and how do you, we use some of them. Well, I think what I want to really drill down into is some of those tools fit into a general category. I want to kind of really drill down into what's called RSS readers. Okay. And um, I know you've got a stack of books there, Kelly. If anyone that's listening wants to type in the chat box what RSS stands for within the next 30 seconds so you can't Google it and look it up, Kelly's going to send you a book from one of our uh, frequent guests on the show. Yes, I and am. As a matter of fact, I've got some great books from Jeb Blunt and Josh Miles and a bunch of great guys. Be happy to send you one of those. Okay, so I'm watching, Kelly. So count down 30 seconds because Google doesn't count. But All right, here we go. Uh, I got it. I got it. Okay. 30 seconds. So, yeah, so an RSS reader, what happened a few years ago is, um, you know, it used to be that Google's reader was kind of the standard, and, and everyone um, just used Google Reader as, as the, the function for this. Uh, and back in July of 2013, all of a sudden they said, hey, guys, we're not supporting this anymore. So it didn't die instantly, but there's no more support. So all the upgrades and the updates and things stopped. And that sent the Internet into a tizzy because a lot of people use these things called RSS readers. Um, as you know, I'm doing an interview series um, in the month of December up with people like yourself about how do you start your day and you know, what kind of things do you use to kind of keep on top of your daily activities. And almost every guest has said, I like to keep up to date on the news. I like to go to my computer. One person so far said, I like to read my local newspaper in the city I'm in. Um, but generally, an RSS feed, and I haven't seen anyone down there, Kelly, so I'm just going to say it. RSS feeds, um, it stands for Really Simple Syndication. Yes. Right? So, and all these really are is just different tools that you can set up some that are based on your computer, some that are based in the web, in the cloud. And what you do is you go and identify the sources of information that you feel are relevant to you, to your life, to your occupation, to your business needs, and even your sales needs. And when you save those into this RSS reader, you have an ability to say, when do I want these? Most people say, give it to me once a day. And it goes out automatically over the web and just gathers all these blog posts and news releases and um, PR announcements and mergers and acquisition information, all the things that happen with either the specific websites that you've identified and or hashtags or people that you're following on Twitter, on, on different social media channels. It all aggregates and it brings it all into one place. So an RSS reader is really, in my opinion, is today's combination of my daily newspaper, the Wall Street Journal, and maybe, you know, uh, Walter Cronkite of many years ago, all into one convenient form that I can read on my computer, on my laptop, on my iPhone, or on my iPad, wherever I am 24 hours a day. 
Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because as you as you talk about that, one of the things that comes to mind is a product called Flipboard. And I, I know I used Flipboard for a while, and, and I, I guess I did a phone changeover and didn't reload that app, and I don't use it anymore. I found that enormously helpful for the very reasons that you talked about. The mainstream, mainline uh, uh, newspapers, magazines, all that kind of thing. I, I could put them all in one place, and that's really great. So I, I assume Flipboard's one of the tools that you're talking about, but there's also blogs like your own, you know, like I want to collect all the you know, favorite blogs that I read from around the, the Internet putting those together, how do I, how do, I do that uh, with, with some of the tools you're talking about? Um, all of the tools. I mean, I think probably one of the, the top tools is called Feedly, F-E-E-D-L-Y. Okay. And you can just Google it and pop it up. Um, I like Flipboard, very frankly. I think Flipboard, I call the people magazine format of RSS readers. If you recall back yeah. when you yeah. used it, Kelly, it, get, it takes great graphics, it grabs it, it formats it in kind of a people magazine kind of a, you just flip page by page and you get it. That is a very effective way to do it, especially if the business you're in has um, images and video and graphics uh, as a real key part of delivering the message, which, as we all know, is becoming more mainstream every day. So I think, you know, those are really the pieces. Uh, the truth is, which I'm really interested to watch, I do not have one yet, but if Santa's listening, maybe I will have one soon, um, an Apple Watch. That would be, a, for me, a really interesting way to set these up for notifications. Did you note that there, Kelly? I, I'll give you my color and preference in a minute. But, right, but I think, I mean, the bottom line is if I could set that, not to just aggregate every day, but through, whenever they come, as soon as they hit, as a sales guy, I'd love to know those trigger events and those new pieces of information instantly. And if I could have that on my watch, so I could just quickly glance down and touch it if it made sense, for just those critical customers and companies that I'm working with right now, it doesn't have to be all the news, that would be a pretty cool thing, I think, to be able to have that information that quickly. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Miles, because one of the things I've always advocated as a guy who trains salespeople is the best salespeople are those who have a general knowledge, working knowledge of business and marketing and things that are going on out there. And, and when you can talk to one of your clients, prospects, very intelligently about what is happening in the business world, many times the knowledge you pick up from that those RSS readers, now what used to be the newspaper back in the day, as you mentioned, I mean, that, that, that sort of positions me as a guy who's doing much more than simply peddling a product or, you know, pushing product features. And, and, I, and I think it's a fantastic tool. Now, with all of the things that are available in, in one very complete package, there's really no excuse not to be well-informed in terms of what's going on in the business world. Well, you're right. I, look, I, competitively, I would, I mean, I know for a fact that I've won as much business using that technique of being instantly informed when activities are happening, when news breaks, when someone announces they're buying a company or their company's being sold or they announce a new president or they announce a new product line that they're announcing. Those bits of information, if it's a company or a prospective company of mine, are wildly beneficial to the point that my customers in the day when I was selling every day 24 hours a day my customers would reach out to me and say, hey, I'm hearing a rumor, what have you heard? Right, and right. that's when I know I'm adding value to that relationship. And I love your lower third on the screen. And, and does it read properly? Does it read uh, correctly? Yes, it says Miles is a good guy. 
Now, Dot clearly, com. I didn't write that, so somebody has hacked in on my computer. <laughs> yeah, it looks hey, beautiful. want a special thanks to uh, to the guys at Rehearsal and uh, put up the uh, the URL where you can find them, Rehearsal.com. They make the X's and O's segment possible because they are a title sponsor. They make this show possible, and it's great to have those guys on board. Well, Miles, just, uh, just a little bit before we're out of here. You, you know, there are a number of these kinds of tools that are available, and you, you mentioned Flipboard and Feedly. Are there others that you've seen that uh, make some sense that you want to pass along to people? Sure. Let me just give you some names really quickly. If you're looking at the hosted RSS services like Feedly, uh, Feedbin, Newsblur, Feed Wrangler, uh, you can just search any of these. Just Google them. Fever, Selfos. If you look down, if you want to do some of them that are hosted where you actually download these, the old reader um, Dig is the one that's been around for a long time called the Dig Reader, D-I-G-G Reader. Mm-hmm. NetVibes is a very popular one. Flow Reader, uh, Feed Reader, um, there's a bunch of those. And again, the mobile devices sometimes have really unique ones. Like if you have certain ones that are on a Mac environment, NewsBar is a pretty cool one to play with. ReadKit is also one that's a Mac-only one. Some of these have monthly fees that you pay for. If you're running Windows, uh, RSS Owl is a really cool one. It's also free, um, and it runs on a Mac as well. But uh, if you want to play with something a little bit different, check out RSS Owl, O-W-L. RSS Owl, of course, still one of my favorites and one of the ones that I think I need to get started with again is Flipboard. Hey, that's going to do it for the X's and O's segment. He's Miles Alston. You can find him at fillthefunnel.com. Make sure you find Miles. Follow him online on Twitter at Miles Austin. His blog's great, and you're going to stay up with all the really great things that are happening on digital tools. Miles, hey, appreciate it as always. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Hey, that's going to do it uh, for today's show. Special thanks to David Brock as we do show number 80, episode number 80, now in the can. Next week, Donald Hatter will join me right here on Blab and on Voice America. I want to encourage you to be there. Special thanks to Rehearsal for their sponsorship. And special thanks to Michael Surgat, our engineer on the other side of the glass. He always makes us sound a lot better than we really do. Make sure you visit us at bizlockerradio.com. I'm Kelly Riggs. That's going to do it for this week's episode. It's Biz Locker Radio. I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Biz Locker Radio with Kelly Riggs. For more compelling interviews and cutting-edge business content, make sure you join us here again next week. Biz Locker Radio airs every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and 3 p.m. Central Time on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information, visit bizlockerradio.com. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Biz Locker Radio is presented by the Business Locker Room. All rights reserved. Opinions expressed by guests on the show may not be the opinions of Business Locker Room Incorporated.